Good morning, everybody. I'm thrilled to bits to be with you today, and it's so good to see everybody. Some of you I know, some of you I don't know, and um, maybe after this is over, you'll be wishing you were one of those you didn't know. But anyway, <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Uh, my name is Clayton Dugan, and uh, you can tell I wasn't born in BC. Um, but anyway, I'm here with my wife, Isabel. We've been married for 58 years, and uh, we would do it all over again. Well, some of it anyway. <laughs> if I could avoid many of the mistakes I've made during the 58 years, that would be great, wouldn't it, eh? Wouldn't we all like to be like that? But anyway, we have two sons, we have 10 grandchildren, and we have two great-grandchildren. So we're multiplying and replenishing the earth. You can say that for us, that's for sure. Anyway, I'm just delighted to be with you today and to have this privilege of sharing something from God's Word. And um, just let me say too that uh, Isabel and I have been serving the Lord for many years now. And in our younger years back in England, we traveled around East Sussex with a tent and a trailer during the summer months. And we did evangelism in small towns and and villages and so on and door-to-door -door work and preaching the gospel children's work youth work you name it we were involved in it and uh, it's been such a privilege so here we are as a couple of old days now and but i'm i want to say to you dear friends from the depths of my heart i don't think i've ever been so excited about preaching the gospel as i am today and i really really mean that we are in a world that really needs the love of god and uh, as believers in jesus we have a tremendous message uh, to share. Uh, uh, before I get down to the main part of the message, I wanted to, by way of introduction, uh, I'm doing a lot of study in First and Second Peter in the New Testament these days, and um, there's a wonderful word in, in Second Peter uh, uh, where, well, I'll come to that in a minute. First of all, let me say this, that I'm rejoicing in these things because of some of the things that God has been doing in my life in comparatively recent years. And I want to share something with you right now that has been a total game changer for me in the last uh, few years, a total game changer. Paul, the apostle of the New Testament, he writes a letter to some people in Thessalonica, and he says some things about what it really means to be a Christian and how it can work out in our lives. But then he says something that... Uh, blew me away a few years ago as I read it, it were through different eyes. I was in Mexico at the time, and I was walking up and down in the place where I stay, and I was praying and reading God's word. And this is what I read. You know, sometimes you read the Bible, and then you've read it 100 times, then you read it again, and it hits you between the eyes like never before, you know? And so I was reading this, and it says, um, um, it says, Rejoice always. <laughs> now I'm walking up and down and I'm praying and I read these words and I said to God, and you know, when you're praying, you're allowed to be really honest with God. Isn't that great? And uh, I'm walking up and down and I said to God, I said, Lord, this is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Do you really mean that? Rejoice always? How is that possible? But then it gets worse. And he says, pray without ceasing. I'm saying, Lord, you've got to be kidding. You know how busy I am? 
And then it says something else. In everything. Did you hear that? In everything. Give thanks. Okay? So I'm kind of arguing with the Lord about this. Or having a lively discussion. <laughs> and at the same time trying to listen to what God's saying to me. And then it says, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then things began to hit me. I'm claiming to be a Christian, which means I have relationship with God through the Lord Jesus. Amen? And so because of that position, if I'm not doing these things, he says, this is his will for me in Christ Jesus. If I'm not doing these things, I'm being deliberately disobedient. Wow. Never thought about it like that before, Lord. If I'm not always rejoicing, if I'm not praying without ceasing, if I'm not giving thanks in everything, I'm being disobedient. Hmm. And then it says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. And then it dawned on me, like never before, yes, if I'm not doing these things, I'm being disobedient. And also, if I'm not doing these things, I'm quenching the Holy Spirit. So that when I do these things, when I choose to rejoice always because I'm in Christ, I choose to pray without ceasing, talk to God all the time. I choose in every situation to give thanks. Then I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. Now, you're going to think this is weird, but you know what dawned on me at that moment? It's like the Lord said to me, adopt the Nike principle. You know what that is? Just do it. <laughs> Honestly, people, that was a total game changer for me. It really was. I've learned when life, and we all know what I'm talking about, right? There are times in your life when you think your world is falling apart. There are times in your life when you think the problems you have will never end. There are times in your life when you have had problems and you've asked the Lord a million times to take them away but they're still there. People, listen to me. God has taught me so much when I just choose to rejoice always. I just choose to do it. And, and an amazing, amazing thing, how the Holy Spirit, you know what I mean? People, listen to me. If you're a Christian today, the Lord Jesus lives on the inside of you with it by the Holy Spirit. And when I choose to do these things, I release the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do, to change me, to make me the more the man that he wants me to be. That's a fantastic thing. And you know, to, just to let you see um, just how amazing this really is, I was talking about Peter a minute ago in his letters in the New Testament. And Peter, um, he was a guy, although he was one of the apostles, before he got to that stage and he was trying to follow Jesus, he proved to be a total wimp one day. A total wimp. Because when Jesus was being tried and tested and just before he went to the cross, what was Peter doing? He was following at a distance. When people said to Peter, you're with that guy, aren't you? He said, never in a million years am I with that guy. And with all his curses, he denied that he knew Jesus at all. But then... You know, the greatest moment in Peter's life, it was not 
when he preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came to know the Lord, that wasn't the greatest moment by any means. The greatest moment in Peter's life when it was when he realized what a wimp he had been, when he denied the Lord and he went out and he wept bitterly. In other words, people, he came to an end of himself. That is a great place to be, guys. That is a great place to be because that's when the Lord takes over. I've got nothing left, Lord. I just hand it all over to you. I'm trusting you. Well, this man, Peter, after he got all that stuff sorted out, he made an amazing statement in one of his letters that I'm going to read to you. And he's talking about God, and he's talking about God's glory and excellence. And he says, for by these, he, God, listen to this, has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Isn't that an amazing thing? Think about it. That you and I, when we know Jesus, we might be partakers of the divine nature. That means God himself living on the inside of us. Now, that's got to be pretty amazing, has it not? And I'm talking now, ladies and gentlemen, about what my old, I was going to say, my, when I was a young guy, the older generation in those days used to talk about revealed truth. When God, by his Holy Spirit, reveals some of these things to us, shows us what they're really all about. And when you became a Christian, if you have become a Christian, then God has come to live on the inside of you. You have inside you the divine nature. And the key to the whole thing is to allow it to flow through you. Amen? Just to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. But by the grace of God, I choose in the energy of the Holy Spirit to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything, no matter how bad it gets, in everything to give thanks because God, you're at work in my life. Now, dear people, I'm talking about all of this. Maybe some of you are sitting there and saying, come on guy, this is pie in the sky when you die type of stuff. Get real, you know, get real. Um, do you know what I want to tell you today? I've never been more real in my life than I am right now. Now, when I talk to you about these things, I, I'm talking honestly. If you don't believe me, my wife's here today. Go and ask her. <laughs> wives, wives have got a knack of telling the real story, amen? <laughs> Go talk to Isabel. But I'm telling you, I've never been more real about these things in my life. This is so wonderful. And this whole idea of knowing God in this, in this personal, intimate way. And um, what I want, I've got some th five things to share with you. Don't say, oh no, not five, we'll be here all day. No, you won't, honestly, you won't. I've got five things to say to you. One for each finger on your hand, okay? That you'll never forget. If you want to know what I'm talking about today in absolute reality and truth, 
This is how it happens, okay? And don't sit back, think, oh, I'll, I'll remember that. This is going to be dead easy. I'm telling you, no, it's not. This is the most challenging thing you'll ever think about in your entire life. What's the first point? I have sinned. Hmm. Do you believe that? I sure do. And Peter, before he came to that place of incredible blessing, he, he learned to believe it as well. I have sinned. Now, people, how did all that happen? How did we get into the mess we're in today in a world that's gone absolutely bananas? How did we get here? The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, through one man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden, through one man, when he disobeyed God, it wasn't an accident, it was a deliberate act, he disobeyed God. Through one man, sin entered into the world. And death as a result of sin. So death has passed upon all men. People, I want to be so honest with you. I love you dearly in the Lord's name. Because of your sin, if you don't know Jesus, you have no hope beyond the grave. Only in Jesus can we have eternal life. That's what God wants to give. That's why it's his life in you. You see what I mean? A present possession, something you know you've got. So that's how it all came about, right back in the beginning. And then it goes on in Romans 3, 23, and it says, for all have sinned, no exceptions, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means we fall short of his standard, his absolute holiness. Now, I've often met people and they've said to me, oh, well, my philosophy in life is I, keep the t I try to keep the Ten Commandments. So that begs the question right away, how are you getting on? <laughs> and if you're honest, you'll know that you're nowhere near keeping the Ten Commandments. We all fall short of God's standard, amen? That's why this is so important, people. Now, to just rub that in a bit, I'm delighted to see children here this morning, and I've had a lot to do with children. I've got a lot of them in my own family right now, but in our ministry over the years, and, you know, one thing I learned, you never have to teach a kid to sin. <laughs> I never sat down with either of my boys and said, now I'm going to tell you how to lie today. Or I'm going to tell you how to lose your temper today. Or I'm going to tell you to steal something and then lie about it. I never had to teach my boys to do any of these things. They got it from their mother, you know, <laughs> no, I'll be big <laughs> <laughs> no. That's right. The young kids, we love them to we love them to bits. No, I'm the biggest sinner in our family, I can tell you that. But anyway, when we come to that place, people, and be absolute honest with ourselves and honest with God, and honest with the fact you've tried many things in the past and it hasn't really worked. You don't know in your innermost being the peace of God that passes all understanding. <clears throat> you don't know as a personal experience right now the fact that, that you have what the Bible calls Christ in you, the hope of glory. You don't really know that yet. But the point is, people, God is longing that you will know that. He's longing that it'll become a reality to you. 
And that's the whole point. And I'm not here to tell you uh, what a terrible sinner you are. I'm identifying with you. We're all in the same boat. I know my own heart. My heart is deceitful, as the Bible says, above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I know that. But I'm standing here by the grace of God. And everything within me is worshipping him right now because by his grace, I've been cleansed from my sin. Do you see? So the next stage is this. When we come and we acknowledge who we really are before God, I have sinned. The next thing for us to grasp is that God loves us. What a thought, eh? The God we've grieved, the God whose law we've broken, the God who, from whom we are separated because of our sinfulness. The Bible says this, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And what Jesus did on the cross is the most amazing expression you will ever find of the love of God. And uh, the great news again in the New Testament, John 3, Jesus says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but will have everlasting life. And everything I want to say to you from now on, dear people, is this. Once you face the reality of who you are, and I face that reality as a sinful man before God, and come to realize that God really loves me. Wow. God cares about you. No, but no matter what you may have done, no matter what's happened in your life up to this moment, he loves you with an everlasting love. The next stage, I have sinned. God loves me. Christ died for me. That's the next stage. And it says, in, Paul talks about uh, this in 1 Corinthians 15. He talks about the gospel and he says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures. Now, let me qualify that. When it says according to the scriptures, it doesn't mean like you read, you, somebody tells you or you're telling a friend about something that happened in Victoria and then you maybe say, well, according to the Times Colonist anyway, you know, that's not what it's saying here. When it says according to the scriptures, it means just as God said would happen, the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, men and women this morning, this is one of the greatest encouragements to faith in Jesus, that hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament scriptures about Jesus were fulfilled to the letter, to the day, uh, prophecies prophesying his coming into the world, his birth in Bethlehem, going on through his life, the type of life he would live, the miracles he performed, the fact that he would die on a cross and be raised again the third day, all in fulfillment of prophecy. And so Paul says, we preach the gospel to you. It's a message according to the scripture, just as God said it would be. Isn't that great? And you know what? There are other prophecies telling us that Jesus not only died on a cross and rose from the dead and went back to heaven, but he's coming back again. Amen? I'm excited about that. I don't mind telling you. The sooner the better, Lord, as far as I'm concerned. I remember sitting in the study of my, the principal at the Bible school I went to in Glasgow about 100 years ago. And he, 
he said to me, he said, Clayton, I'm longing to see the Lord. He said, you're just a young guy, and you would say you're longing to see the Lord too, but you're saying also, Lord, just wait a few wee while. I'd like to get married first. <laughs> you know? Now, I know what Mr. Macbeth was talking about when he said what he said. I now know more than I ever knew then, I can tell you. Jesus is coming again, dear people. He's coming to take his people home. I pray, God, that you will be one of them. That when Jesus, if he came today, you would go off to be forever with the Lord. So this is, this is wonderful news indeed. And uh, the Bible also says about Jesus dying for us. It says, God made him who knew no sin. That's why he was able to be your savior. He was sinless. He was God in human flesh. He was bringing God to us. He knew no sin to be made sin on our behalf so that we might become, listen to this people, this is absolutely mind boggling, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you know what amazes me? That when God looks at me today as a man who is in Christ Jesus, he sees me clothed in the very righteousness of God. Isn't that an awesome thought? I don't deserve that. I know that. I was just thrilled when the, the team were leading us this morning and praising and worshiping and glorifying the Lord. He deserves it all. We deserve none of it. But then, God loves me. I have sinned, rather. God loves me. Christ died for me. What's the next step? What do I do about that? I believe. I believe. That's the next step. It says in Mark 1, where Jesus came into the world, it says Jesus went around preaching. What did he preach? Repent and believe the gospel. Now here we come to a very crucial thing, people. It says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. In order to really believe, I have to acknowledge that I have sinned. I have to thank God that he loves me. I have to realize and thank God that Jesus Christ died for me on a cross. He died in my place. He took the judgment of God instead of me. And in order to make that real in my life, I have to come. I don't just say a wee prayer and say, I believe. I repent and I believe. Amen. And let me tell you, dear people, these things will never become real to you until you know what it means to repent of your sin. That means to have a total change of mind, a total change of attitude, to forsake the life you've been living up till now, to take a complete 180 degree turn away from your sinful life, to commit your whole being into the hands of your Savior. That's what makes it real. A wee story. My parents were very religious people, particularly my mother. She belonged to a Scottish Presbyterian church she taught in the Sunday school. She sang in the choir. She did it all. There was a, she's mentioned in a book that has been written on the history of this church in Scotland. Then one day, uh, she was sitting in our living room and there were some guys from a church just like this one, I think, because they were out in the open air just outside our house preaching the gospel. And as she listened to this guy preaching, it dawned on her 
that all she had up till now was religiosity. She didn't know Jesus. You see what I'm saying? And so then she committed her life to Christ. She took an act of faith, repented of her sin, trusted Christ as her savior. Not long after that, we moved house. And when I was five, I went to school. And just after I went to school, I got measles. So I was off school. And in those days, we had what was called an attendance officer. He was the guy who came around when you were off school just to check that you were legit, you know? Well, this guy turned up at our house, and when Mother opened the door, she was absolutely amazed to see standing before her the man who actually preached the gospel the day she became a Christian. Well, she told him her story. Can you imagine this guy's joy? <laughs> he was thrilled out of his socks and he took her under, under, under her wing and introduced her to the church that he belonged to. And mother was, was grew in the Lord and she got baptized and, and really grew in the Lord. And then around that time too, another an evangelist came to our village to do a tent mission. And somebody set fire to the tent and burned it to the ground. Well, the meetings were continued in a local hall my father, like many other people, went along to check these guys out to see what it was all about. And that's when he became a Christian. Now, some years after that, I went to preach in a little mission hall in a neighboring village. And when I walked in the door, the guy giving out the hymn books was the guy who set the tent on fire. <laughs> His name was Davy Hunter. And Davy sang a solo for me in the service. Talk about the grace of God. People, listen to me. We're talking reality here. The last thing I ever want to, have to happen to you is become more religious. That's the last thing I want to happen. I want you to come and repent of your sin if you've never done it before. Trust Christ for yourself and become a new creature in Christ. Because that's what the Bible says will happen. You'll become a new creation. So... The last point, I've sinned, but God loves me. Christ died for me. I believe I have eternal life. What a possession. I have it. How do I know I have it? How do I know I have it? Well, I've just been telling you for the last half an hour. You know you've got it among other, and other things because he is living on the inside of you. And I'm telling you people, when you know that Jesus is living on the inside of you by his spirit, you know you've got eternal life because that's not you anymore, amen? It's just not. The Bible tells us hope does not disappoint us. Hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. I know I have eternal life because it's inside me right now. Amen. You know, I read a quote the other day with a famous guy called Arnold Schwarzenegger. Remember Mr. Universe? And he's just like me, he's turning into an old prune now. <laughs> but Arnold, somebody was talking to him about some of these things and what happens after you die. He said, nothing happens after you die. You go six feet under and that's the end of it. And he says, if anybody tries to tell you otherwise, they are an effing liar. I'd love to go and talk to Arnold right now. 
I'd love to say, Arnold, you better be right, boy. You better be right. People, hear me. There is something after death. Amen? It's either heaven or hell. And if you know Jesus today, you'll know Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to say to you, I'm going to be sticking around. There's a free meal going to today, so that appeals to a Scotsman. <laughs> I'm going to stick around, and if you want to talk to me about what I've been saying, um, you come and talk, okay? I'd love to help you take that step of faith and trust Christ as your Savior. But uh, just thank you so much for, for listening, and I just pray that God will bless his word to all of us today. Amen. Thank you.